Okay, everyone, in a moment we'll be, uh, we'll be looking uh, together at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 to 10 in a, in a little bit. We're carrying on our journey through the Apostles' Creed uh, today, so uh, we'll be looking at that. Um, I'm going to pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you, you are speaking to us today. You are reminding us of what you have done in Jesus. Jesus, what you did on the cross to bring us into relationship with you, to bring forgiveness, to bring righteousness, to break down dividing walls, to enable us to come to the Father and to enable us to be your people together. Lord, I thank you that you're already reminding us of all of this. Lord, as we've sung, as people have prayed, Lord, as things have come, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would catch our hearts up again in this incredible reality. That in Jesus there is salvation and that in Jesus, we are built together to be his, your people. Lord, Lord, that can trip off the tongue. But Lord, I pray you would speak to us through your words. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we are carrying on through the Apostles' Creed. We're going to read that together as we have done. Uh, I'm going to read it from the screen. I think it's going to come on screen. Here it comes. I'll get out of the way. Here we go. So the, uh, we've been reading this every week. We've been looking at this at different weeks, so let's read it together. <laughs> I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified died and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. We are moving through this, looking at these wonderful foundational truths that have been recorded for us in the Apostles' Creed. And we come uh, today to these two interesting lines in the Creed. The Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints with the sense we believe in that. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. You see, at this point, the creed becomes a bit of a rapid-fire list. We've, we've looked at all the, the different members of the Godhead of the Trinity. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus, his Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And then it carries on. 
the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the dead and the life everlasting. Amen. A lot of other things that we can assert we believe. But today we come to this, the church. I believe in the church. And it begs the question, well, what is the church? For so many in society today, the church may seem, well, irrelevant. Not for me. Maybe boring. And in reality, would either refer to a building on the corner of a street. Oh, look at that church. Or a meeting that they go to or more likely don't go to. Hey, the church... Church meets, the church is at 10.30 on a Sunday morning. In fact, can we put those pictures up? This is what can be seen as the church. I don't know if we can get this picture. Picture one. Maybe it's gone. There we go. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty impressive out in the middle of nowhere example of, look at that. Look at that church. Or maybe, maybe something more like, look at the next one. Somewhere to go and look at and glory at and look at this amazing architecture. This is wonderful. Or as I said, the third picture talked more about actually a meeting. Maybe it looks something like that. Maybe it looks completely different. That Maybe it looks something like this. But that's what the church can refer to. It's either a building, either a beautiful white painted building in the middle of nowhere looking glorious with a spire or this amazing architecture or maybe just something completely different or else it's a meeting at a particular time that I can choose to go to or not. But I believe what the Apostles' Creed draws us to and more particularly what the Bible draws us to is that the church isn't a building on a corner of a street. It's not merely a meeting at a particular time, but it's a people. It's a people. The creed draws us to see the holy Catholic Church. The church is described as holy and Catholic. Well, what's that about? In 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul sums this up quite well. He speaks, in effect, to a church in Corinth about the church around the world. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, he says, To the church of God, that is in Corinth. And how does he describe them? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. As the creed puts it, holy those sanctified in Jesus, those called out to be saints and Catholic, not Roman Catholic, Catholic with a small c, meaning everyone, all invited, all encompassing, the church all around the world and through all of time. As Paul put it there, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place Call on the name of the Lord. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints throughout all of history. 
The church is something far bigger and greater, something far more exciting, more wonderful than a building perhaps like this one, albeit that this obviously originally was a synagogue rather than a church, if you put it like that. But I think you've got the point. The church isn't a building anyway. A building like this one or a meeting that we come to. And really, this is a subject that's far too big for half an hour, 40 minutes. Well, we'll see if I can come to an end on a Sunday morning. This is massive. This is glorious. And maybe we could say that about every subject that we've looked at through the Apostles' Creed. These are massive, glorious things. But we are going to take a bit more of a look at what is the church? Are we excited about the church as we look today uh, at just a few verses in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 4 to 10. We'll actually walk our way through particularly verses 4 and 5. As we ask this question, well, what is this church? What is it about? What is it? Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you would not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. So as I say, we're going to walk our way through those first two verses, verse 4 and 5, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering the spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And what do we see about the church? Well, first of all, here's where it starts. As we come to him. As we come to him, the living stone. What's it all about? What is the church all about? We've heard it already today. We've been pushed back there again and again and again. It's not about us. It's not about how good we are. It's not about what we can manage to put together. It's about Jesus. Jesus what is the church? Well, it's all about him. It's through him. As we come to him, 
the living stone. He's doing something. As we come to him, it's a wonderful description of Jesus that Peter gives us here. The living stone. Now, Peter, whose name, in Greek, Petros, means rock, probably is here recalling his conversation with Jesus to some degree in Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus asks him, well, who do people say I am? And then he says, but you, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter tells him, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus tells him, blessed are you, Peter, because this hasn't been revealed in any other way. The Father has revealed this to you. And then he gives him this statement. Peter, Mr. Rock, Rocky, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Now however much Peter can recognise that he's going to be used in the building of the church, however much he's going to be used in, in building up and preaching the gospel and seeing stuff done, Peter, as you can see here, is clear. This solid rock, the solid rock, the foundation on which everything is built in the church isn't him. It's Jesus. Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living gods. And we see this beautiful description here. Here is Jesus, the living stone. Let me see a series of contrasts which just pulls us back to the story. Rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. The stone the builders rejected was thrown out. No, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Not any old stone flung here or there in the building. This is it. The foundation, the rock, the one to whom everything lines up, the one to whom everything is built upon, the solid ground on which we stand. Despised, a stumbling block to many, and yet precious to God, solid, to be trusted, our foundation. The cornerstone of a building, I remember Getting, I must have preached something very similar before, getting that box that Joe's got his amp on today. Joe just got his amp on. And just planting it here in the corner, seeing actually when you get a cornerstone, a big rock properly planted and in place, well, now everything can line up. Everything can be built solid and true. Everything, if you get that wrong, it's disaster. But if you get this right, we can build and we can see something glorious. But this is what Jesus is, the cornerstone. We can sing it in songs that we sing, Christ alone, cornerstone. He's the one in whom we trust. But this is where Peter starts. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen and precious to God, he's the cornerstone. The church... Whatever else it may be, is his. 
And it's built on him. It's through him that we come to be part of the church. It's through him that we are saved and added to be part of the church. You see, throughout the New Testament, we see the church described in incredible imagery in lots of different ways. But as we kind of look through and see, the spotlight shines again and again on Jesus. Right here, if the church is us being built up, well, he is the cornerstone. If the church is a body, well, he is the head. If the church is a bride, well, he's the groom. The church is seeing the kingdom of God advance, well, who's the king? The church describes as a flock of sheep, he's the shepherd. The church is described as a family, well, who is the elder brother, the firstborn, the heir of all things? It's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, again and again and again. It's his church. And our being part of it, our entry into it, our very existence in it is down to him and his cross and his blood poured out. You see, we can perhaps lazily say, well, apologies, may not be lazy at all, but it can become lazy thinking that we can say, well, I come to church on a Sunday. We come to, the, we come to church on a Sunday. We're coming to this, which is the church. But, well, we do come together to meet as a church. We do come together to be the church together But ultimately, the entry to the church is not through the doors of the Jubilee Centre, but through the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness of sins. Again, that verse in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, to the church of God that's in Corinth, who are they? Those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all of those who call who in every place who call on the name of our Lord Jesus? You see, this is the church. Those who are in Christ, as we come to Him. It's all about Him. You see, as we gather on a Sunday morning. You are all welcome. Everyone is welcome. We can come and we can be here. But hear the message this morning. Come to Jesus and know him. That's the way to be part of his church, to be part of his bride, to be built in, as we're going to go on and see, to be part of his church. Everyone's welcome. Everyone can come. We are You are very much a part of what we're doing here. But his church is on the basis of his salvation. He saves us. He adds us. He calls us to be baptised. And he causes us to be knitted in, to be part of his people. So what is the church? Well, it's Jesus' church. It's his church. It's his people. As we're going to go on and see in this verse, the 
The church is a spiritual house for him to dwell in by his spirit, of which he is the cornerstone. The church is a body that he is the head of. The church is a bride that he is one day going to marry. The church is a flock that he is the shepherd of and he lay down his life for. If we wanted an answer to the question, this is the church. It's his. It's Jesus's. Okay. Let's carry on. As we come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. As we come to him, we're being built into a spiritual house. You see, Peter paints a thought-provoking image of the church now. Jesus, he's the cornerstone. Rejected by men, he's gone to the cross, he's died and he's risen again and therefore he is cornerstone, solid ground. He is the one in whom we can trust. But the image goes on from just Jesus being the cornerstone of a building. We're being built together as the building. You see, having emphasised that the church is not a building, well, here we go, the church is a building. But not one made of bricks and mortar. But of living stones. People saved and added and built together as the people of God. is true of the people of God in all times and through all places we are the church being built together knitted together built to be a spiritual house the temple in which God dwells by his spirit all those images that we could turn to different passages and see a spiritual house a body a bride a kingdom a family a flock people join together that's true globally, the big picture for everyone from every nation, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 2, as we read before. I found this quote this week uh, from a guy, I don't know whether I'll get this name right, Judon Tamfu, I think, who's a professor at Bethlehem College and Seminary. He's based in Cameroon, and he posted this on DesiringGod.com in a, in a preach that he delivered. This is true Across the world, we are joined to people in every nation through all of time. The true church, however, this is what he writes, is powerfully and mysteriously united across the boundaries that define and divide the world. Although we are many, we are one body. We are one body in Christ. Although we have many colours, we are one body. We are one body in Christ. Although we have many languages, we are one body. We are one body in Christ every believer in Christ, throughout history and in every place, shares an indivisible blood union through the blood of Christ. Our bonds stretch through time and space, such that we even share fellowship with saints who died and went to be with Jesus thousands of years ago. Paul will talk about a body, hands, feet. We'll look at it in a minute. Peter describes it here as a building made of living stones, joined, connected, supporting one another, 
joined together, built together. You see, all the biblical images of the church speak of something much more profound than a nice club, a gathering, a meeting together of a shared interest group, perhaps once a week, maybe twice a week. Something much bigger, much more incredible. It's worked out around the world. This is one church and yet also locally. So Paul can write to the church in Corinth and talk to them about how it's working out whilst pointing them to the fact that they're joined to believers around the world. And so we can think here as City Church Sheffield, well, the Jubilee Centre is not the place where God dwells, but we are as City Church Sheffield and the church in Sheffield, and the church around the world. God dwells by his Spirit. But Peter uses this picture, built together as living stones. I wonder if we could have that next picture up. Never think about stones being joined together in a wall. Peter draws us to this, like living stones, we are being built together into a spiritual house. Even as I look at that image of stones joined together, there's... Now, you've got to imagine the stones are living now. We're the living stones. But there's, this is intimate. There's connection. This is, there's join, they're joined. There is support from one to another. It's a beautiful image. Different shapes and different sizes and different colours and different types of stone put in just the right place, joined together. Work out. It's, not, it's not like God's got a pile of bricks and he's thrown them up. Yeah, I can put one, 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 one. They all fit. They're all the same. No. A pile of stones. You could perhaps imagine God gently chipping off rough corners, taking this, this fits right here. This one, he fits right here. This is going to be good for him. This is going to be good in my kingdom. You go right here. You might not understand it at first, but this is where you fit. Here's another thing. And you're going right in here and there. Built together. Can you imagine? And can you see? Stones, living stones joined together. forming something bigger than the individual stones themselves, being built together into a spiritual house. As, Paul, as Peter goes on in this passage in verse 9, he just rattles off these terms. You're, almost you can hear his excitement. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. The whole picture... Build something for us to get hold of. This is, this is not mundane. This is not dull. This is not, oh yes, that thing I go to once a week. 
But all of this alludes to deep connection between people and to Jesus. You see, not just nice or good to be a part of, I suppose, or even, well, I suppose it's necessary, but special. God's special possession. God's great plan is the church. A people chosen, royal, holy, special in his eyes. And something God is utterly committed to. I alluded to that conversation that Peter and Jesus had. Well, what does Jesus say? I will build my church. This is his plan. Built together. God's doing the work of a master builder in bringing people from every tribe and nation together, people from every background, people from every temperament. And who, who, how on earth do you get on? And yet, in Christ, he builds us together. Of course, as I said, the church is also described as a body. In Colossians chapter 1, we get this same deep sense. Look how you're connected together. In Colossians 1 uh, and 18, he talks about the fact that Christ is the head of the body. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And as he continues talking to the Colossians... He talks in Colossians 2 and verse 19 about those who might try and pull them away, those who might distract them. And what does he say about them? He pulls up the same image. They have lost connection with the head. This is Colossians 2.19. They have lost connection with the head. But then listen to this. From whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. As we're connected to him, you see the, 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 the just stark sense of, look, you are joined together. And this is life-giving. As we're connected to him, the heads. I want to read to us a passage where Paul again very definitely describes the church as a body working together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I acknowledge, even as I start to read it, we could spend months in this passage. But I want to read it just again as this, catch hold of, there is something wonderful here that is the church. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. And so the body's not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it wouldn't for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, 
where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part in it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have the gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. As I say, we could spend hours, days, weeks, months, in that passage, but I read it that we would hear the passion of it. This is the church, a living, a living building being built together, connected to one another, a body made up of every different part. If my finger is hurt, I think my brain knows about it. If my foot was lost, the rest of my body would know about it. If And in the same way, if one part is rejoicing, we can rejoice together. Different gifts, all bringing together different roles, different parts, order and... uh, Order in the church, making good sense. God puts people in the right place for the right time. Note how connected we are when one is missing or hurting or struggling, we feel it. However small you feel you are apart, however small a part you feel you are, however insignificant you think you are, you belong. Paul comes and says the, weak, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. We all belong if we're in Christ. We all have a part to play. And we are part of the body or of the building. Living stones and body parts speak again not of Not of uniformity, but of unity together, of different people coming together, playing different parts and different roles. A body is not made of a whole stack of arms put next to one another. It doesn't work. And God's not building a building of identical bricks. He builds us together. We're not all meant to do the same thing. We're not all meant to play the same role. 
God puts us in the right place that he has for us. 1 Corinthians 12 alludes to that, talking about eyes and ears and hands and different things and then talking about different gifts. Ephesians 4 also could go there. In Ephesians 4.11, Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God puts people in particular positions, in particular roles. For what purpose? That this body may grow. That this body may be fully equipped. That this body may have life. Not for any of us to have our moment in the sun or our moment of fame. But that he would get the glory and his people would be equipped and grow to maturity. So it's about him and in him we're being built together. But we also have a purpose. There's a purpose in us being built together which, is, which comes through in 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And as I said, as he goes on in verse 9, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're called to worship him. We're called to glorify him. What is the church? A forgiven people set apart and joined together in Christ that we may offer spiritual sacrifices to him. That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's why, on the one hand, when we do gather together, we want to sing. We want to declare the praise of him who has saved us and added us. This is the purpose of the church, to give glory to him, to give glory to Jesus, to praise him. But again, Peter points to something more deeper than gathering once a week to sing songs however wonderful it is and however important it utterly is. But he calls us together to be, to offer spiritual sacrifices, to live lives of worship, to make it our aim as his people to glorify him in every way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it will say this. Chapter 10 and verse 31. So whether you eat 
or drink or whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. We can look all throughout Scripture and see the sense, actually, do we come to worship once a week and sing songs? Well, yes, we do. But as the people of God, built together, we're called to live in everything we do to his glory. To worship him in everything we do. Worship. We're called to be a holy priesthood, set apart, called and chosen, forgiven, made righteous in him. But in saying that, we're called to go on being sanctified by him. What does he do as he's building us together as the people of God? He's calling us, well, it's clear from Peter's letter. What's he been saying right up to this point? And what does he go on to say? Be holy as he is holy. Be holy as God is holy. Become more like him. Put to death sin in you. He saved you. He saved you out of a life of sin and and slavery to sin. Now, live it out. As the people of God built together, we're supporting one another, helping one another to do what? To be more like Jesus. To be more like him. To put to death sin. To throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, as the writer to the Hebrews puts it. As we're built together as a living temple of God. Be more like him. Know him more. Know this more. And the truth of it, get to know Jesus more. And as the body of Christ together, this is the church that we may encourage one another, spur one another on to love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another daily. In Christ, we can do this. We can be his by the power of his spirit at work in us. We can become more like Jesus and be his people. Worshipping him, becoming more like him. And as it's alluded to here, declaring his praises. Declaring the praises of him who called us out of darkness. Yes, we're called to worship. We're called to grow together and to become more like him together. But this is a declaration to the world. To declare his praises. The one who has called us out of darkness into his glorious light. He has saved us. He has rescued us to be a spiritual house. His body, his prize. And the world desperately needs this glorious truth. So the church, what is it? Well, it's called to declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his glorious light. We know this glorious truth. Let's declare it to a world that absolutely needs it. I read this week, I started rereading... John Hosier's book, Christ's Radiant Church. 
She wrote in 2005. I was just struck by these words in one of the early chapters. True in 2005, perhaps even more true now. John Hosier says this, this is a generation that's being lied to. I once read in a Sunday newspaper that virginity is a gift to be given away at 16. That is a lie. We're told that the best way to deal with an inconvenient pregnancy is through an abortion. Well, that is a lie. There are those who claim that gay sex is normal. And that is a lie. To believe that money equals happiness is to be taken in by a lie. To write like this is not a matter of being traditional or conservative or old-fashioned and outdated, uh, or to have old-fashioned and outdated religious attitudes. We're talking of a pack of lies that's being forced upon our generation. And in contrast to this, there is the truth that the church, representing Christ on the earth, is to live out and to bring to our generation. The truth sets people free while lies mess us up. What is the church? A people saved by Jesus, being built together, not just a club or a a loose grouping of people, built together. We're family. We're a body. We're a building, if we can get hold of that image. Called to declare his praises to a world who desperately need to hear them. You see, Peter lifts our eyes to God's great plan to build his church. Living stones joined to the living, mighty, glorious cornerstone. Which actually, I think, does draw us to cry out those words of the creed. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. Living stones throughout the century being built together in him, the living stone. Christ, our precious cornerstone, declaring his praises, living out our faith in him as he continues to make us more like him. To be a temple for his Holy Spirit, that he would dwell with us, but to be his bride one day. Declaring the truth of his word, holding out the truth that it's only in him that we may be saved. Holding out this truth to this desperate generation who are lied to day in, day out. What is the church? Well, I'd say this is the church. His people living for him. Okay, amen. I'm going to pray and then we'll sing and we'll respond.